Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. You're dialed into Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Be a part of the show live every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Facebook, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, or the CMSNetwork.com. What is up, everybody? We are live right here on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. We are live right here Every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at those four amazing locations, you are tuned in to yet another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. If you would like to catch video replays of the show, just go to our YouTube channel or better yet, check out Heavy Metal Television. That is our main hub. And if you'd like to download audio versions of the podcast, just Google Talking Into Infinity and we are on any audio platform that you can think of. Uh, let me bring on my esteemed co-host mr brian hendrickson what is going on man how are you i'm doing really good here man it's been kind of a busy week for everything um first of all dream theater finally won a grammy what are that was your, a little uh, important that was a little important i'd say do we, do we even care i mean are the grammys and all that stuff just kind of like beyond stupid at this point or well it was interesting to me because i mean john was there and the rest of the band wasn't. Whereas, yeah. you know, when they were nominated before, like, you know, they were all there. They got their pictures taken and stuff. And this was kind of like, it was almost like they were like, eh, you know, like, I, we don't think we're going to win. So we'll just, you know, John, you can go and then, you know, represent us and we'll stay at home. And then I think they were all like, holy crap, <laughs> like we won. So, yeah, I, you know, it was cool. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know if it, it, how important it is. To a lot of musicians, I mean, let, let's face it, you know, Metallica lost to Jethro Tull for God's sake. So how how seriously can you take it? Um, well, you know, with, with a Queen cover song, yeah, which is what's well, nominated, which was beyond absurd anyway. <laughs> and dude, Taylor Hawkins passed recently. You know, rest in peace and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's great. He's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But in the in memoriam section, he got so much more time than Eddie Van Halen did when he passed. So it's like, yeah. I mean, after that, I I just I can't take it seriously. It's an amazing honor, you know. Yeah. Our buddy Wayne, you know, he posted on Facebook. He's like, "Holy crap! Like it's it's such an honor to have worked on a video for a Grammy award winning song, which is really cool. And it's always good to have that tag and that title. But it, you know, the Grammys just they they don't really make a, a lot of correct decisions in the genres of music that people like you and I care about. So it's kind of difficult to, I mean, it's awesome that they recognize dream theater. So, you know, maybe they thought the name was coolest this time. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Well, there were some decent songs in there. I mean, I, I wasn't totally opposed to some of the stuff they had in there, but it's like, they kind of throw the hard rock metal world, this bone, you know, just this one single category that what they started at what, the end of the 90s or whatever it was yeah i can't remember it's been 20 years now i think roughly but uh yeah it was cool i mean it was it was cool john was definitely excited i mean you know you know you probably grow up as a you know as a musician like that like you said it's a kind of a dream of yours you know 
you know, hey, I'll be up here one day. I got a Grammy, you know, just being recognized for their work. So it was cool. Yeah, I I thought it was great, you know. And John, I saw some funny memes that like he's standing like a heavy metal guy. He's got the, like almost like the power pose. Like that was really cool. And dude, he was excited. And you know, these guys have put in so much work into what they do. And regardless, you know, of whether or not like we think it's worth the damn, and we're kind of like, yeah, whatever. It is still badass for them. Like when you can walk around and say, yeah, I'm in a band. And then you can, you know, all of a sudden say, yeah, I'm in a Grammy winning band. Like that's a major difference for an artist. So, you know, especially, you know, they're, you know, our favorite band. I think it's awesome just for the title part of it. So, you know, what's your so. over and under on how many people in that audience even had, had any clue <laughs> who Dream Theater was, let alone who John Petrucci was? I'll do you one better. What's the over under on how many people in the audience knew any of the bands in the yeah, metal category that's probably true also <laughs> like all right so i i have to address something here and i'm gonna have to have you do something on the fly here brian okay so i'm in facebook jail again and i thought we fixed it prior to the show i'm only in for two days i was not offensive by any means but facebook with their stupid ass algorithms apparently nailed me and now we were supposed to be live on our facebook page and we are not so I need you to go on our Facebook page and make a post since we deleted me as an admin so that you could post and say, hey, if you're trying to watch the show, log into YouTube. So go do that and I'll talk for a second. I, gotcha. I can, you know, I can definitely like, you know, pontificate for a bit here. So uh, Kale McLeish, what's up, man? It's good to see you. He says, is that a golf course as your background, John? Yes, it is. And I'm wearing my, uh, actually, it could be offensive. It's a Chief Wahoo Titleist golf hat. I actually love golf. And uh, today is the first round of the Masters, and it's my all-time favorite sporting event. So, yes, that is Augusta National in my background. I'm just, you know, celebrating, you know, the Masters today. Uh, our buddy Sarcasmo Asholio. Awesome. Just in time to ruin another podcast. <laughs> What's up, boys? Good to see you, Sarcasmo, man. It's always good to have you here. Uh, Gibson Les Paul, our good friend. Eddie didn't play at Biden's inauguration Foo Fighters did, so there's your answer. Well, I, man, I don't know if it's political. I would hope not, because um, that would suck. Because you know you have to respect Eddie, and obviously respect Taylor Hawkins. He's incredible. But when you when you look at the spectrum of you know influential musicians, you're definitely, definitely, definitely looking at Eddie Van Halen before Taylor Hawkins. So, uh, oh, look at this. Alexander Frick, what's up? He says, hi. A very simple comment, but Alexander, good to see you, man. Thanks for jumping on the show. Hopefully you, hopefully you enjoy yourself here. Uh, here we go. Kale McLeish. Oh, convenient. First round of the Masters, and we're discussing the top moments from a master of their instrument. <laughs> I may or may not have planned that, Kale. <laughs> nice. I may or may not have planned that. So, uh, All right, Brian, did you post on our Facebook page? <laughs> I did. I went on there. I said, uh, for right. tonight only, go, please go to the YouTube page. We're streaming live right now. So anyone who's over there should, uh, should know to go there. I think most people in general probably stream it there anyway, but we never know. And we like to be out, cover all the bases, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Look at, oh, G Giovanni Pelias here. Good to see you, man. He says, how about that house band trying to play the alien? Yeah. That's true? <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh God! I got to see a clip of that. Oh, look it up. It was yeah. It's kind of, you have to listen to like get out of here. Are they are they trying to play Dream Theater? <laughs> like, you're, you're serious. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah, yeah. 
It, it was it was well they good. used to have like a pit orchestra type thing is it was it like that trying to do that or oh that orchestra was the pits that's for sure <laughs> but <laughs> but uh so getting to tonight's topic brian so this is actually like a rebroadcast and it's funny that i'm in facebook jail and we have a problem streaming to facebook considering the reason we're having to redo this episode is because i had a problem the first time we tried to do this apparently we are not supposed to do an episode about john petrucci's best guitar moments because we just always have these problems so uh this is actually the lost episode uh if you go on youtube you will find it and my my power died in the middle of broadcasting this episode i think it's episode 14 or 15 or something like that from last year and brian had to roll on his own for god had to be what like an hour brian or something like that something like that yeah okay yeah and i just i couldn't log back in everything died like within like a couple miles of here it was a crazy power outage so i did not post the audio to our audio platforms but i did leave the video up so that you guys could go see Brian, you know, kind of doing his filibuster thing. And I thought you did a great job, but I thought we had some awesome, awesome guitar moments to discuss. And so you and I have always talked about, we got to bring this back. We got to bring this back. And, you know, knowing that the Grammys were coming up a couple weeks ago, we decided, let's just, let's just revisit this just in case dream theater wins a Grammy. And of course, of all things, (laughs) they, (laughs) <laughs> they win a Grammy, so I think we timed it perfectly. So, mm-hmm. all right, I did not rank mine in terms of any order. I just I just came up with 10, and I have one honorable mention. How many do you have? I have 10, and full disclosure, this is my original list. I was going to make some changes, and um, due to someone who pulled something uncool on me while we were going on another podcast i did not have time to uh should we tell that story real quick before we get to this or no should we save that till the end let's save that till the end and okay. we also have to, we also have to answer alexander so alexander he says i'm from europe it's 130 here great guitar moments what do you think about the new red hot chili peppers album alexander i i i think you're kind of tuned into the wrong show for that um I have not listened to it, and we do not talk Red Hot Chili Peppers here, unfortunately. But thank you for tuning in. I know it's like a crazy hour there. Um, thank you, uh, Brian. Five second, five second opinion on Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, I think they're funky. I think they're cool. Not my style, but cool band. Interesting, fun to play live. Yeah, they're a decent band. I I know one of our listeners, uh, Brandon, actually, he posted about some of the new stuff actually being pretty good. But yeah, you know, it's like I hear some songs and I'm like, they're talented and cool, but I'm just not going to sit there and listen to 20 minutes of it, you know? Yeah. I did see them live, though, at the Q and amazing live show. I mean, oh, they're fantastic. So so much energy. I mean, it was like, yeah, it's like you're worn out after. (laughs) Well, this was like, you know, I was like, 29 when i saw him then i can't imagine now i'd probably, I'd probably be dead after five songs <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> right. trying to keep up with that but yeah great live show cool band yep all right so our buddy giovanni palaya he's got two two takes hollow years live at budicon version enough said and he also says bombay vindaloo that is a good that's a good deep cut man off of uh, uh live uh oh god i'm dropping live it with an m I, god i'm forgetting it damn it 
I, I know it's, it's off that live record. Live at the Marquee. There we go. What an idiot. So Live at Gibson, the M. <laughs> yeah, live at the M. All right, Gibson Les Paul, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, no. All right, so Gibson's not a fan. No offense, Alexander. All right, so I'm going to let you lead this one off. So what do you have as your first choice on your best John Petrucci guitar moments list? I did rank mine at number 10. Oh, okay. I have the probably start throwing stuff at me. This is the life. I love. Okay. I love that. It's just, it's like a haunting. It's the best word I come up with. It's like a haunting acoustic riff. Okay. Uh, it just kind of gets in there, you know, it sort of gets inside, gets inside your bones. And I don't know. It's just, there's something eerie about that riff. And then the solos of it are great. And uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a really, you know, it's sort of Pink Floydish. Obviously, we've talked about it before. Sure. Um, that vein. But uh, yeah, man, I don't know. That's just one of those where it's like, okay, it probably didn't take very long to come up with that riff, but it's what do you build around that? And how do you build a song around that? That's, we've talked before, like there's just such an art in, you know, almost the simpler the riff, the the more difficult it is to really do something original and something, you know, that you can feel out of that, you know, when something's kind of crazy and stuff, you're like, oh, well, that sort of sells itself, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I love that song. I love all the solos throughout. I love the tone on on that and you know of course it's on one of my favorite albums so that does hurt (laughs) (laughs) right well brandon shuttleworth uh it's good to see you man thanks for tuning in he agrees with you he says yeah we often forget how great of an acoustic sound petrucci has as well uh yeah i like that one didn't stand out to me um i i think it's a great song It, it did not make my list uh but I do think if you're looking for some great Petrucci moments on the mellower side, I think that one definitely has pretty much everything you would ask for. So, again, it, it didn't make my list, but I could see why it made yours, especially as you said, you've got a certain bias towards that album. Um, by the way, real quick side note, speaking of Petrucci, I forgot to mention this off the rip. I actually bought the uh, Neural DSP John Petrucci guitar plugin. I'm getting back into like playing guitar and writing and you know recording like just for fun. I'm not re- releasing anything unless God forbid I come up with something good, which is you know the long shot of all long shots. but I get it that plugin is awesome to mess around with man and it's not even that expensive. I think it was, $171 or something. So if any of you guys are, you know, musicians out there, guitar players, you want to download that, it's really affordable. So, and it's a total blast. So uh, check that out. Definitely something that I would love to be able to play on the Neural DSP John Petrucci plugin, but definitely cannot is my first, uh, my first entry on my list, which is a fortune in lies, the guitar solo. And to me, I to me this is the one that started it all. I think, you know, it's it's the first song on the first record. It's nothing but shred. You know, again, it's it's the one that started it all. It's all his tricks are in there. There's 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 no subtlety here. It's like, look, I can do sweeps, look, I can do arpeggios, look, I can do tapping. Like all the guitar trickery is there. And you're like, okay, right off the rip, the very first song, the very first guitar solo, we can tell that this guy knows what he's doing on six strings. So that was the, you know, I, I didn't obviously hear when Dream and Day Unite as my first listening experience, but the first time I heard the record, I was like, okay, if this had been my first experience, I'd be like, what the hell? Because my experience was, what the hell, when I did hear it. So I just, I love that song. I love the solo. So for me, I have a fortune in lies. Again, mine are not ranked. 
I just have them in a list. So, uh, yeah, fortune and lies. So let's go to your number I nine. You would, uh, I figured you'd have at least one from that album, and uh, I figured it would be that one. So <laughs> I, I purposely tried to push past because I know you have no thoughts on it whatsoever. No, it's, it's cool. no it's, it's, I mean, I can see why you picked that. Yeah, it, it is a great – it's an awesome solo. You know, the rest of the song is just kind of – you know, they just awesome. haven't, really, they haven't grown into the, the incredible songwriters they're going to be, but it's cool for what they were and what they did at the time. <laughs> so uh, Harrison Miller chimes in. Good to see you, man. Thanks for tuning in. He says, well, the alien must be Petrucci's best moment because the Grammy people are geniuses. We love sarcasm on the show, Harrison. We love sarcasm on the show. <laughs> so, all right. So number nine on your list. Well, sorry, I'm going back to the same album. <laughs> I mean, there's no way I can leave breaking all illusions off, right? Oh no, yeah. I mean, the second that starts, song starts, and uh, it just never, never really lets up, except for a few times when, you know, kind of my young sort of grooves and takes over a little bit, but that's just relentless. Like just every note perfectly placed, every melody just keeps building and building and building and, and changing tempos and, and and changing moods and changing dynamics. And uh, I, I don't know, it, the solos on it are phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. kind of like, okay, what else can I say about Breaking All Illusions? We're getting <laughs> to the point on some of these songs. Like, I don't even know what to say about them anymore, but, you know, that's just one just right out of the gate. You know you're in for this this sweet as hell was an 11 and a half minute ride or whatever it is yep yeah that's i mean it, it goes to show how much i love the other stuff on my list because i don't have breaking all illusions i would totally agree with you that song just is so phenomenal uh, phenomenal nice <laughs> i'm trying to read notes and talk at the same time uh it's so phenomenal because you know the melody is there and you know, it's it's just it never stops. No matter what he's doing in the song, there's there's no drop off in the melodic content. And, and you know, he's always got melody and everything, but there are songs that drop into a heavy riff here or there, or it gets proggy here, and, and this one gets proggy and stuff. But you can pretty much sing along to every guitar part in the song, and that is just fantastic. I mean, this is such a standout song, and it's one of those like you know we're going to beat this dead horse forever on this show, but that is like a perfect dream theater song. So uh, Gibson Les Paul agrees with you, by the way, he says, yeah, Brian and I are in lockstep so far. Emotional Petrucci is tough to beat. Wow. Yeah. This is like yeah. the first time we've ever, uh, that that's ever happened. I think, <laughs> I think Gibson... trying to get me to come to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you trying to get him to double down on his invite. Yes. He's yeah. the one. Yep. <laughs> Robert Reams, good to see you, man. He says, a little late, but John, no H in John, buddy. Let's let's get the spelling right there. Uh, <laughs> loving the Titleist hat and the Masters backgrounds. Awesome. Respect. I watched sure. all day, literally from 11 a.m. until this show. <laughs> Robert, I did the exact same thing. I literally turned the ESPN broadcast off five minutes before we jumped on. So I had to, res I had to respect the Masters tonight. So, uh, All right. My next one on my list. Uh, again, this one should not be a surprise, but the test that stumped them all, the guitar solo, uh, honorable mention, the riffs in the song are also amazing, but dude, when he grabs that first note, it's all—it's my all-time favorite Petrucci moment. It's my all-time, like, Wee! 
when he just grabs because there's there's that like key changes type of part that he's soloing over and just to i mean it just is an accent of all accents right there and i have always loved it the very first time i heard six degrees i was like whoa that was awesome and every time i've heard it since like live or not like like Man, I just I just love it. You know, it just sounds like he's grabbing the neck and just digging it like like it's like weightlifting with the fretboard for that note. And um it is one of his, you know, shorter solos, but there is so much attitude to it. There is so much crammed into su- such a short period of time there and I love that. And I love that he's able to do that. So that is a huge one for me. And I know you and I have talked about that, you know, one of uh our original audio intro for the audio version of the podcast has that solo, you know, in there because I love it that much. Yeah. That's a, just a ridiculous guitar exercise in guitar uh, wizardry, <laughs> I guess is the word for it. I mean, I don't even know how a human being can play that fast and still play, you know, with, with a sense of melody and a sense of heaviness and, because when you think about it, really, the faster you play, it shouldn't. It's probably the less heavy it is. But I don't know. It's just the way that Petrucci can pull it off. It's stuff. The stuff can still say stay super heavy, and you know, and give you that bite to it, even though he's playing four million miles an hour, and and you know, just putting all these little just cool things together that you're like, how'd you decide to go from here to here to here? You know, and how did it work? You know what I mean? Like it's that's just one of those songs like that, and it, it and it is. I think it's perfect the way it is. Like. You, Something like that, you try to drag that out six, seven minutes or whatever, it doesn't work. And it's just, I don't know, I think it's a perfect length for the way they did that. Yep, totally agree. Uh, Giovanni, he says, can't say enough great things about A Vision from the Majesty demos. So good. Giovanni, were you the one that were try- that was trying to add A Vision to our Epics, uh, our epics ranking list? <laughs> yeah. I, think that, I think that's the case. Uh, Gibson Les Paul. Over under is 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on John picking the out-of-reach melody. <laughs> nice. Well, well if you we'll truly see. were ranking them, it would probably be about yeah, 10 minutes. I would say I'd take the after on that. But if you're not ranking them, it's probably coming before then. Maybe it's not on my list at all. I have yeah. a few surprises on here. Yeah, right. So, uh, Nick Brayman, good to see you, man. Thanks for tuning in. Fatal Tragedy main riff is one of my favorites. So, all right. Well, yep. we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens here. Uh, all right, your your number eight. Uh, one of my staples. No, and it's. I'm not putting any shockers in here. So if anyone's like worried about <laughs> that, I got root of all evil. Sometimes really I, okay. I black for this sometimes because everyone thinks I picked it like too early in the draft and all this and that. But man, I, it's. I just love that grind. Just that. I mean, just a simple metal groove and the accents on it and stuff. And I don't know, man, it just, it's just like a whirl. You know, you just, you just feel like you're just being spun around when that thing just, I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> it's like a whirling dervish of a riff, I guess, is, is, I don't know. It just gets inside you. And then when they slow it down, they go, ding, 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 ding. You know what I mean? They, they start, start muting it more and chunking it up. And I don't know. And then the course on the song is great. And just, just, just one of my favorite riffs for something that really is kind of simple for them, I guess, for lack of a better word, huh? Well, I, I think it works really well because you're coming off the back of, you know, a train of thought, and that is just a 
just an ass kicker of an album and you're used to this just drop tune grinding ass kicking style and you know the root of all evil has a great riff and it's a kind of a simplistic like, single note like at which is cool and it kind of like harkens back to a train of thought but it's in a you know a more accessible i hate to use the word accessible but accessible tuning to the ear um you know it's a more quote unquote normal tuning and it, it is a, a little more upbeat than what you had on train of thought so i could totally see why you're in why you're into that because you you're not as big a fan of the heavy stuff as i am so for me train of thought i was like hell yeah so for you you were probably ready for something a little on the lighter side and i i think the root of all evil is a great bridge between what octavarium was and what um uh train of thought was so i you know I, I can definitely see why you're really into it. it. And it is a great riff. It's one of their best riffs to me anyway. Like as a solitary guitar riff, I, ju I just think it's cool because it, you know, it's got that power to it. And like you said, when they dropped a, dun, 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 you know, and again, it's something that I have a personal connection to having seen it at score. It was just awesome when they kicked in and you hear that riff and then, you know, James comes out. You're like, yeah, dude, like it was cool. So yeah, I, I'm totally, I'm totally into that. So, my Giovanni, next one uh, Giovanni has a question there. Oh, all righty. So, wait, question or a comment? I'm seeing a comment. Well, it's kind of both. It says, "Are John's solo albums off the table?" Yeah, they actually are for this for this exercise. <laughs> we already kind of did our solo episode, so go back and yeah, yeah, our, our, yeah. Our John's solo albums off the table. Glasgow Kiss is killer. It is killer. It is. But Giovanni, we are actually keeping it to Dream Theater material only because. I mean, let's be honest. If, if we just wanted to talk about great John Petrucci moments, we would just sit here talking about every goddamn Dream Theater song <laughs> there is. <laughs> so or every we song on, out the, like on the that. two solo albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a cool riff here. Oh, did you hear this one? Well, what about this one? Oh, this one's good. <laughs> Brandon Shuttleworth says, with the root of all evil, it's also amazing how Jordan and John blend together. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Yeah, I mean they they do a great job on that record. That Octavarium is a really interesting record to me for that reason, and we'll get into that you know at a later date on a different episode. But I, I would agree with that completely, Brandon. So uh, the next one on my list, I have an entire song. I have "Our New World" from the Astonishing. Uh, every riff is a singable passage. The main riff is is so mel uh, uh, memorable. It just it just has all of those giant, lush, memorable Petrucci chords that you find in all of the upbeat, like, yeah, this makes me want to run through a brick wall type of Dream Theater songs. The solo is one of the ones that just absolutely sticks with you. And it's the whole the whole thing to me has always felt like really uplifting. And I know it's not the closing song on the astonishing, but it feels like the perfect kind of like you know, exclamation point at the end of the astonishing. Like to, to me, I, it's always felt like the end, you know, the, the end of the, the story to me. And then the last couple are just kind of like the coda. So I, man, I love our new world. That riff is so catchy to me. It, the whole song again is just on, on a record full of pieces and on a record full of stuff that's not meant to be individual songs. It's supposed to be listened to as a whole, you know, our new world 
is the one thing that stands out to me is like, okay, you can just play this as an individual song at a show and it will be awesome. That album really, really, really needed a song like that where it came there. Like, I think without that song, that album would be considerably rougher for me as much as I dig kind of what they were doing and stuff and, and appreciate it. Like you really needed something like that, you know, in there with where the guitars driving it with a, with a, you know, hard rock guitar riff. Like they, I don't know. It just, you really needed something like that at that point in the album after you'd had all that other stuff. And uh, yeah, just a great, you hear that opening riff and uh, like I said, you, you, you just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's upbeat. It's like a major key, you know, it's just, it's an upbeat thing. And, and they don't do a lot of stuff like that. That starts in a major key like that. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. So, uh, oh, you know, we... I, I can actually uh, show comments here. Sorry. Okay. We have uh, Robert Reams, The Best is the Arpeggios and the Glass Prison by JP and Jordan. Nothing much better than that. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to like go, oh, why would you put something like the Glass Prison on this? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a pretty obvious one. I, I thought about putting it on here, too. I don't know if it made your list. It didn't make mine, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great musical moments in that one. I have some surprises coming up. I have some surprises coming up. So we'll see. Uh, Kale McLeish, she says, Our New World, good choice. That blew my mind live in 2017. So inspirational and uplifting. And then we get a run of comments. Robert Husted, he says, No one in their right mind would pick repentance. LOL. <laughs> By the way, I owe Robert Husted a monstrous apology because I mentioned that uh, he's basically family to me and, you know, his sister is married to my best friend in the last show. And I, I said that in relation to Robert Reams. It's not Robert Reams. No offense, Robert Reams. It's Robert Husted, who is basically my brother in law for all intents and purposes. So, uh, Robert Husted, I apologize for that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Gibson Les Paul says, I don't feel the repentance solo at all. And he also says, anyone picking repentance? <laughs> no. I have surprises on my list, I hope, but that ain't one of them. So, all right, your number seven, Brian. My number seven is going to Images and Words, Under a Glass Moon. Okay. I have Good choice. The, the whole song. <laughs> really? Specifically, second verse, guitar tone changes up to clean sounds and little noodling parts in there, little just those little kind of broken things that he's so great at. So I, we talked uh, before about, well, we'll say that for later, but we're just discussing music in general. When you change up the second verse by doing something different on the guitar, you know, maybe changing up a little bit different vocally or different on the keyboards or however you're doing it. It's just, it's very, it's very evident that dream theater takes a ton of pride in constructing songs in that way. And when you do that, it, it's, it just makes night and day difference. I think when you go back and listen to these songs too, and you're like, Oh my God, well, the second time they did it this way, they did it this way. It's just so musical. Yep. And it's just such a great palette of, of colors that you get when you get to hear songs like that. Yep. So uh, real quick, 
Alexander Frick, I, I really think he's on the wrong show. He says, tell me one memorable song from Dream Theater. Uh, we won't address that, but you guys in the chat have at it. Uh, let Alexander know what you think is a memorable Dream Theater song. And Alexander, we appreciate you tuning in, but again, you might be on the wrong show. So. Californication or probably Under the Bridge. <laughs> yeah. Suck my kiss. He's probably messing with us. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> is that John Young again? It is. <laughs> We're getting trolled by the DT camp. <laughs> did you hear what John oh. Young said about at the Grammy? It's like, did so you guys just won a Grammy? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that or yes. I can't remember what it, it was. I don't know. I started writing all these famous John my own quotes. One of them was, so uh, uh, no. <laughs> 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 All right, let's continue this. <laughs> yeah, if if we ever do get the guys on, <laughs> they're gonna be like, "So we heard you talking about John Myung." We're like, "Shit, there goes our future." <laughs> I'm sure no one's ever like joked with them about that before. Ever. This is the first. All right, so it is 8:03 p.m. So the 8:15 p.m. bet was wrong. Wow. My next one is out of reach. The guitar solo in the beginning. <laughs> So I really think it's one of uh, John Petrucci's most beautiful and perfectly understated solos, um, even to the point where you know you hear the there's a little click when he like kind of like he just hits that little he pulls real quick before he hits the first note, which is awesome. Uh, literally the first time I heard it, I was like, "Whoa, what the hell is this?" It's it was the the most memorable thing from the Distance Over Time record for me the first time I listened to it. And it has stuck with me ever since. And, you know, the, the harmonics, just the way he, like, lets the decay happen. Like, I just, I love it. Something about that just spoke to me immediately. And it continues to speak to me to this day. It's just beautiful. That whole song is just absolutely underrated to me. And that solo at the beginning, it's just awesome. It It's I mean, that would be if I was ranking, this would be so near the top for me. It would this this would be like in the running for number one, I think. So um Yeah, I feel like and it's weird to say this because he's completely responsible for the astonishing, but I feel like when they got to doing distance over time, it came to okay, now I can go back to doing every incredibly cool electric guitar melodic thing i possibly want to do and i'm going to put it in every damn song on the album and it's obvious he did that and it i'm going to be curious when we finally do get to rank all of our albums because it feels like every other week i talk to you talk to you it's like yeah you know i don't know i just felt like putting on distance over time again yeah <laughs> like in the last like i don't know three months or something you're always like yeah i just went back to it again and i went back to it again like i don't know man i'm 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 starting to think you're going to have that one pretty, pretty damn high. Like I thought you were going to have it high before, but now it it may be. Uh, I'm not going to make a prediction. Well, I'll tell you what after we do the episode where I thought you probably would have it once we get there. But, but uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty damn high up on the list. I think it's it's up there, man. It's I mean I love that album. <laughs> All right, so Alexander Frick. Our, our our chat guests who are amazing they're, they're giving you some excellent songs to choose from if you're looking for some if you're looking for some catchy dream theater 
Uh, Gibson Les Paul says, Alexander, check out Repentance and Ministry of Lost Souls. So that those are those are good choices. And uh, Robert Husted says, try Space Divest, Alex, the famous Dream Theater song. <laughs> so yeah, those are those are some good uh, good selections for you, Alexander. So all right, no, here's an actually serious one. Oh, and for my favorite album too, Nick Bremen. <laughs> I've always loved the guitar riff and craziness and outcry. That one always stood out to me. Yes, I love outcry. Very underrated do, song. Do you have outcry on your list? I know you have a top ten list, and nine of them come from a dramatic turn of events. But is outcry one of them? Well, if it's my turn, I'll go to my number six. <laughs> it is actually, your turn. I actually have one of yours. I have tested stump them all. Is my number? Oh. Six. Nice. You should have brought that up when I talked about how great it was. Well, no, I, I figured it's better to like kind of save, you know, for the suspense of it and everything. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we already pretty much hammered this one on the head. Yeah, it just, I mean, there's it's just a relentless, what, two minutes and 38 seconds or whatever. Yeah. Of, uh, I just always wonder, like, okay, when they're sitting around, like, especially Petrucci, like, okay. Does he have like, because I know like Mark Tremonti supposedly like records all these riffs and he like categorizes them like, okay, I've got 35 bridges here. I've got 40 courses. I've got 25 main riffs. And that's kind of how, from what I understand, from what he's talked before about he, how he and Miles write, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, do, they do some spontaneous stuff too. But a lot of times it's like, hey, Miles, help me put these together. Like, does he have a piece of music like that just? you know sitting around somewhere or it's like locked inside the the vault there and it's like oh we're gonna do this so it's gonna come out for this you know what i mean because it it's just such a bizarre composition you know i i don't know i don't know how to explain it Do you know what i'm saying i i know exactly what you're saying and i i think it's an interesting point because i think what you're talking about is you know you have a guy like eddie van halen who you know infamously has miles and miles of tape in the walls of 5150 and he can always you know call from that but dream theater like they write spontaneously in the studio or so we're we're told you know they 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 you know get in the studio and they just write on the fly so i mean your question is excellent like you know do the guys have you know a tape vault like eddie did like oh i i wrote this thing at home and it's really cool like i remembered this like did they listen to it here and there and then something will spark their memory of that when they're writing the new record. Like, I think that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, write that one down. Cause if we, if we ever get the the guys on, like that would be a kick-ass question to ask. Like, is it really 100% spontaneous or do you guys actually have some things that you record and you remember and you've got snippets in your head? You're like, man, I wrote this really cool riff and I really want to bring this out sometime. So are you actually writing it down as we speak? You told me to. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> Wait, what am I writing down again? <laughs> That's fantastic. I just started writing. John says write something down. <laughs> yeah, write something down. Um, all right, so my next one on my list, and you're going to completely disagree with this, but as a guitar moment, I think it's awesome, so I'll be interested to see uh, what, what, what the chat thinks. I have basically the entire song of Viper King. I, Technically, I have the main riffs in the solo. I just think that that is something they've never done, that like vintage Deep Purple sound and that that type of rhythm. I mean, that main riff is nasty, dude. It, I mean, it really kicks in 
You know, the alternating picking parts sound awesome over the groove that they're laying down. And, you know, he just, it's it's doing that, you know, the the riffs and the verses, are they're heavy and they're grinding. And then the chorus is just like full chords. Like <laughs> Brandon Shuttleworth, Brian, the official secretary of Talking to Infinity. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, but I mean, the solo has a very bluesy feel to it. And I mean, is that like an envelope you would call it on the sound of it? It's got that weird kind of effect. I'm I'm terrible with like the actual specifics of, you know, effects and whatnot, but, um, whatever it is, the sound, the sound on the solo itself is really, really cool. So, uh, I, I, I really dig Viper King. I know you're not a fan cause you're not a fan of the lyric, the lyrical content, but I love it. No, I'm I'm cool with with it being on the list. I mean, guitar wise, like you said, it is it is really really, it's you know like something that you hardly ever do, and uh, just a lot of awesome sort of '70s rock riffing going on there with you know crunchiness and everything else, and you know a little bit of feel of of maybe some Satriani Satch boogie ish things going on sort of here and there, but uh, yeah, no, I mean it's a great guitar song. I just lyrically you know and then we laugh about oh it's a bonus track like I, you know i don't know <laughs> it's yeah i guess it's one of those like kind of like a space dive vest there's going to be some people that love it and some people that, that don't you know um but i understand what they're trying to do and i can't i'm definitely not going to question the guitar stuff on it okay gibson les paul disagrees with me he says not feeling viper king at all it's deep purple-esque but the chorus sounds like another piece of meat by scorpions I don't get the another piece of meat chorus off of that. I don't. There's a and Scorpions I, vibe. I, I'm wondering if that's the right song. I I, I don't understand think, what he's saying, but yeah, I, I I get where you're going, Gibson. I don't think another piece of meat is the chorus you're looking for. At least to me, um, go figure. You and I disagree on something again. <laughs> but um, yeah, all right, Gibson Gibson is not feeling it. Uh, Brandon Shuttleworth. Definitely a throwback to the 80s style guitar riffs. And Kale McLeish wants to jump in real quick. He says, can I please bring one up that I kind of doubt anyone will have at all? Yes, Brian, do yours next. And then Kale, uh, bring yours up after Brian does his next one. All right. I have the most boring and no point in even bothering talking about it whatsoever. (laughs) Metropolis. (laughs) (laughs) Well... (laughs) That's that's on my list, so we'll we'll just knock that one out right now. Yeah, I wrote down once again, like after all the crazy soloing, I love all those those really cool, clean, you know, quick like clean, clean strums he does, and James is bouncing vocally, you know, back and forth off of those. I I don't know, and good then it goes into the main driving heavy riff. I mean, I, what what can I sit here and possibly say about Metropolis anymore? I mean, we. This came up on an episode of like Epics, and we're like, "All right, Metropolis, next song." <laughs> well, I'll let you expound on it more. Yeah, I I actually have the bridge section because I think it's a you know for me it was a little obvious to to call out the entire song. Um, so for me the bridge section because for me this was basically like the first holy shit moment on the record. Like you had had you know stuff from you know take the time and solos and you know another day and you know uh pull me under but i this was you know that i mean like that is like the 
very first like, oh my God, this is wow, yeah. this is possible. <laughs> Gibson Les Paul. Kale is gonna pick vacant. <laughs> Sorry. Comments are too good not to put up. That's I just awesome. want to see if I can rattle you while you're talking. <laughs> you're not gonna rattle me, man. <laughs> but yeah. um you know the un- like you know, there's unison parts between the bass and the keys and guitars. Uh you know man. It's just awesome. You know, the guitars and the riffing parts go from straight up rock parts to the that goofy computer sounding like chitter chatter type thing. Like yep. man, it is just it's got everything. It's again, it's that first holy shit moment on that record. Like it's it's what, a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, and you're like, What the hell just happened? So yeah, I would agree with you in terms of Metropolis. Kale like- is Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt. I said I. Uh, I feel like if they remade Groundhog Day, like I'd want to just wake up instead of Sunny and Cher. You know, I just want to wake up to Metropolis like every day. Like, <laughs> like if you literally, if I literally had one song, I and mean, I can only get pick one song, and it has to be the same song every single day the rest of my life. Like when I wake up in the morning, I think it. Would, I think it might be Metropolis. <laughs> what the hell? Not? What? What? Else, what the heck else song is it going to be? It is it is really funny that you mentioned that because my next one will be a song I actually do wake up to every single day. So uh, before we get to that, Kale, his selection is the way it used to be from the Falling Into Infinity demos. You get his U2 style. You get a bit of slide in JP's first solo, some great bluesy shred in the outro, and just a lot of great riffing throughout. I love it. That's a difficult one for me because I can hear in the Falling Into Infinity demos why the label did not accept those songs for the record. I I enjoy them, Kale, but I think it's the sound of a band trying a little too hard. So that is such a weird listen for me. The Falling Into Infinity demos, I mean, I'm going to buy that on vinyl um, for sure. I'm trying to get all the Dream Theater stuff on vinyl and all the Van Halen stuff on vinyl. I'm not digging as deep as you know all the you know re-releases of you know the uh, the new stuff they're putting out from the Yitzhak Jam catalog. But I will get the Falling Into Infinity demos just because Falling Into Infinity is my favorite record. But man, those songs, Kale, like that didn't make it. You can you can hear why they didn't make it. So it, that's a difficult one for me. So. Uh, Gibson Les Paul, he says, the ending solo in the best of times needs to be mentioned. It's so good. It's breathtaking. Uh, I do have some surprises on my list. That's not one of them. That is uh, not on there. But nice try, Gibson. So uh, the next one on my list, Brian, the one that I wake up to every morning is Hell's Hell's Kitchen. (laughs) Hell's Kitchen. Not what cut I me off in the middle of the song title. Wait, stop. <laughs> yeah. Not what so, I yeah. you're going to say. Yep. Hell's Kitchen would be my number one. It's my all-time favorite Dream Theater instrumental. It has a phenomenal build to it. It just goes up and up and up and up and up. It just keeps layering. You know, the way that it ends with the repeating pattern is cool. It's low, then high, then low, then high. harmony. out. Like, you know, it's very atmospheric. You know, it's emotional. And... It's really cool to me to picture in the middle of burning my soul where it was originally placed. So 
that part of it's always been really interesting to me, but something about that is grabbed me more than any other instrumental they've ever done. And I do have that is my alarm that I wake up to every morning. So I absolutely love Hell's Kitchen. And when I saw it live a couple times, I just about lost. I was like, yes, 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 Hell's Kitchen. So that that's the one that's next on my list. What uh, what are your thoughts on Hell's Kitchen, if you have any? Uh, well, first of all, I knew it was going to be falling to, into infinity. Um, but I, <laughs> I thought it would be Trial of Tears. So you stumped me on that one. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's one of uh, it's one of my more f- more favorite. Is that even a word? <laughs> <laughs> Favoriter. Yeah, it's one of my more favoriteist <laughs> of the uh, instrumentals. Yeah, I, I like pretty much everything that's going on in that. Um, it's it's pretty unique to them, and and I don't know how it would work on really a lot of the other albums, but I think it sits well where it is, you know, and sits well in uh, on that album. Sure. So. All right, All right next, so, yeah, uh, next so, on my list, I have The Looking Glass. Nice. Okay. Yeah, you know, it sounds like Rush, but we don't care because it sounds so Thank damn you. cool. Thank you. <laughs> like, Thank I you. I don't care that it sounds like Rush. I think it's just an amazing riff. Like, I don't know, even the production on it, like, I don't know, it sounds like it could have like they could have lifted it off the recording off of moving pictures or something you know maybe other than maybe the way the drums sound but uh but yeah there's the guitar and bass and stuff i don't know just a super cool fun little it's upbeat too you know it's like got some major key stuff going on in there and i don't know just a fun just kind of those fun happy riffs you know yep well it's you mentioned russian it's like you know transcending time has had that accusation you know leveled against it and who cares Yep. It sounds great. I mean, you know, you and I, you know, shameless plug, we we were on an episode of Discography Discussion, an amazing music podcast you guys have to check out. Uh, we were on Discography Discussion last night. It'll be coming out probably in the next week or two. And we did a run through of uh, the career of Symphony X. And we hit on a few things that were obviously lifted from Dream Theater. But you know what it's like who cares like it it's it's cool like if you if you throw those influences in there and sometimes if it's a little shameless and obvious like who gives a shit it's it's fun it's good and it's it's only for a few seconds it's not like you're lifting like you know 3 minutes of a 6 minute song so uh you know they you know, i think you know again transcending time and the looking glass perfect examples super rush esque but it, it's done so well and it's 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 a great nod to the band that you know influenced them the most, so I I think it's fantastic. We got uh, something from the new album here. There we go. Gibson uh, Les Gib- Paul, go ahead. Sorry, Gibson Les Paul says to bring up something off the most recent album. The Unisons near the end on answering the call are awesome. Yes, very much so. Um, I it's it's fun it's funny Gibson like I did not have anything on my list from the new record because the new record was not out when I made my, when we made our lists. And when I went back and listened to the new record, I specifically did that earlier today to see like, okay, can I replace something that I had earlier with something on the new record? And I didn't find anything to replace. And and there's a, a ton of amazing guitar stuff on the new album, but there wasn't something that I, I, I wanted to bump something off, you know, in, in, in place of. So uh, good call, good call. 
Uh, Nick Brayman, he says, hopefully the mirror and lie is also on someone's list. 100% on Hell's Kitchen. Strangely enough, I don't have the mirror and lie. I know, Brian, you wouldn't because you're not <laughs> nearly as big a fan as I am of, of those songs. Uh, I love those songs, but I actually don't have those on there, Nick. And the reason is, is because as dominating and brutal as the riffing on those songs are, it's not one of those things that you would you could say no other guitar player can do that. There's just something different about the way Petrucci does that. Like, like no, you could see another band kind of getting into that type of groove. So for me, while they're excellent and amazing, and I go back to them all the time, I don't have them on my list. So I don't have that. But what I do have next on my list, I have the solo on The Best of Times. So F you, Gibson. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, seriously, Gibson, all kidding aside, I do have The Best of Times on here. Great call on that. It's, you know, the song itself, I can't say I'm like the biggest fan of. We've gone over this before, but it's cool how it, it ends on the you know it ends on this gigantic Petrucci emotional roller coaster solo you know it's it's like you could, you could, you can almost in my notes it's it says like you could feel like you could picture this solo at the end of a movie when someone dies and there's the whole funeral thing this would be what they would play as the casket is lowered into the ground like the you know person's like a really good dude and you're like oh it sucks that they're gone like it's it's uplifting but sad like. I mean, it, it the emotion in that solo is wonderful. It's so good, and it, it it's almost like it's almost kind of like you know take away my pain. Like Petrucci, he wrote that strictly you know about his dad, but then Petrucci writes this solo you know about Mike Portnoy's dad. It's like he didn't have that personal connection like he did for Take Away My Pain, but you wouldn't know it because the emotion's all there. So you know it's. And I think it's one of those rare album moments where they do what seems to be one of their extended live jams, almost like a show-ending live jam, and it totally works on record. Because every once in a while, they'll get into that extended, lengthy thing at the end of a song. You're like, okay, well, that seems to be a little bit too much, and this one just works perfectly. So, And the other thing I will say about this song, by the way, Brian, honorable mention to the acoustic guitar solo at the beginning it is the simplest thing ever, but man, it is so full of feel. Like I can tell you exactly where I was when I heard that the first time. I was on Hamilton Road driving, uh, going towards a golf course out by me, getting ready to you know go play eighteen when I first heard that, and I can tell you exactly where I was, like what house. It, it, it stuck in my mind that much. I was like, oh my god, this is beautiful. So I'll give a I'll give a you know honorable mention shout out to the acoustic part in the beginning. Yeah, it's a cool song. I love how it goes. The best of times are when I'm alone with you. Like the harmonies <laughs> on it. Like I love like and then like the sun come shine. But, but yeah, there's a lot of really cool guitar parts too, man. I oh, you're awful, man. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it, there's a it's an awesome like <laughs> I don't know, what is that, like a three-minute solo at the end or something? I mean, it just kind of yeah, goes, it goes. On on. Like, I mean, it, it just goes. Like, sort of never ends, and it just keeps soaring melodically and stuff. And uh, Well, I think it's a perfect example of one of those times when it's something they do that is, if, if you actually looked at the time it takes them to get through that piece of music, in a vacuum, you'd go, do you really have to solo for three minutes? But then when you listen to it, you don't realize three minutes has passed because 
it, it gets melodic and you're like, oh man, this is really pretty. And then it builds to this better part. You're like, wow, oh my God, that's, and then it builds to another part. You're like, holy crap, like, wow, this is great. And before you know it, you're through three minutes and you're just like, wow, that was beautiful. Yeah. So. Well, Gibson Les Paul picked a great one here. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite songs. John's electric melody on Through Her Eyes is a wonderful, but even better on live scenes. I do not really know the difference. There's a note in there that he holds a tad longer than he does on scenes from a memory. It's so good. Yeah, well, what, a, what a sweet, uh, incredible melody in that song in general. And then when he, the electric guitar takes over and starts soaring on those notes, man, that's a great choice. I have to I have to pull out that one that one part of the comment, Brian. He says there's a note in there that he holds a tad longer than he does on scenes from a memory, and it's so good. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about, Gibson, and you are spot on on that. Um, and, and I mean, let, let's face it, live scenes is basically perfect from start to finish, I, right down to the very last sentence. James says, "Sorry about the short set." <laughs> you know, they played like four hours or something like that night, and you know. Uh, excellent call on that, Gibson. Uh, Giovanni, he says, I know it doesn't count, but John's cover of Purple Rain is phenomenal. You can find it on YouTube. I am not a Prince fan, and his solo stuff or non-Dream Theater stuff does not count, but Giovanni, you are spot on. Uh, He puts so much feel into that cover of Purple Rain. It's insane. So I completely, completely agree with you. Uh, Kale McLeish, this is another good one, man. He says, uh, the solo in Best of Times makes me think of Slash shredding outside the church in the November rain video. Just instead, it's Petrucci. That is an awesome analogy, Kale. That is an awesome analogy. That That is definitely a very visual type of a solo, and I think you know your, your comparison is, is spot on. All right, Brian, so what is next on your list? You know what's awesome, Brian, is when I, I I love when you have all this amazing input, and yet you put yourself I was on practicing. mute. Okay, <laughs> hold on, I'm gonna practice again. <laughs> For the love of God, it's like our 35th episode or something, and you still can't get that mute button right. Okay, Man. Uh, mute. Yes, I have the song that surprised not only our entire listening and viewer audience last episode; it surprised you in the presence of enemies. Wow, okay. Part one. Okay. It's actually two songs. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for it, man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man. I just love that main main opening riff, and then the guitar kind of plays it on its own. Like, it plays plays it with everything else, then it takes it on its own, and just, I don't know, man. Is there a dull guitar moment in that song ever? No. I mean, no. No. <laughs> is there a wrong yeah. choice rhythmically, melodically, anything that even goes on in that song? No. Um, yeah, I, I I have to put, especially after how much love I had shown for it last week. But it actually, I did not change this list. It was I did have it originally number two, and it's gonna it's gonna stay there. All right. Well, I have two left as well, and again, mine are not ranked. By the way, Gibson Les Paul is about to get banned. He gets banned from the chat more than anybody on this show in history. He says, side note, there's a video of Slash butchering the hell out of the Crazy Train solo on YouTube. Not good. Gibson, we do not despair. John. So anyway, um, 
I actually have now. I do now have the power to ban John's voice. We don't have to look at him either. You're actually 100% right, Gibson, Les Paul. Actually, I have no idea what you're talking about. How about that, you jerk off? I can bring myself back in. And I can also do that. There you go. Now you're out, you ass. So there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. So much, so so many shenanigans on this show. Uh, yeah, Gibson, I mean, I've seen that, but... To me, Slash can do no wrong. I've seen him live many times with his solo stuff, and he's absolutely fantastic. And he's my wife's hero, like mine is Eddie Van Halen. So uh, I, I really can't bag him. So uh, you, should, you should walk up to him and be like, "Excuse me, Saul Hudson. Do you remember <laughs> the time on YouTube you were playing the wrong notes to Ozzy Osbourne's <laughs> Crazy Train right. solo?" Exactly. Mr. Hudson, what were you doing? <laughs> look look at Kale. Holy crap, holy crap, it's a mutiny. <laughs> we're turning on each other, man. <laughs> what can you say? All right, so I have two left. So let me think. If I had to rank these two. Yeah, you're good. I don't think I need to hear your last two, to be honest. All right, do your last two. All right, look, you ass. Just because you're drinking tonight because you had a bad tax bill, don't be taking it out on our viewers slash listeners there's not okay? enough alcohol right now to cover that tax bill. <laughs> Trust me. a little behind the scenes mm-hmm. moment there guys um all right so my last two are full songs so since you ranked yours you know what i'm gonna do my both of mine and leave your number one for last because you actually took the time to rank them so um my last two i'll go let me see if i had to rank them one to two number two for me would be constant motion the whole song it's a perfect song title the guitars never stop moving the whole song is busy and it is definitely one of john petrucci's best metal riffage displays he just man i mean dude those busy riffs under that high bird-like vocal like like that just kicks ass and again the whole song is so busy, but the chorus is just strumming chords and getting it's like I mean it it's it's so simple. And yet the rest of it is just busy, 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 busy. I love that. So I'm I'm a huge fan of that. Uh my 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 number one, if I had to rank between one and two on these two, the dark eternal night. I don't know how. If this is not your number one, Brian, I guess I could understand why. But The Dark Eternal Light is a John Petrucci clinic. It's got everything you love about Petrucci. I mean, it doesn't have like the bright spots and the melodic solos, I guess. But, you know, I want to ask a question. This is my very first note. Is this Dream Theater's heaviest song ever? I think we kind of agreed that it was. Okay. So yeah, I I think I think so. I mean, from start to finish, it's pretty much relentless. So yeah, I would I would say yes. Okay, um, yeah, I you know, it's constant heavy guitar all the way through. I mean, it literally never lets up. Even in the melodic parts of the chorus, it's you know it's dark. Uh, no pun intended, by the way. Um, the middle part is just all kinds of brutal guitar goodness, man. Oh my god, I love this song. The alternating picking part over the double bass. It just chugs like crazy. And the end riff, you know, with the continuum solo, I mean, what the hell? (laughs) That's What more can you say? 
So, so those are my last two. Uh, Brandon Shuttleworth, <laughs> he says, so what you're saying is the guitar is in constant motion. <laughs> I see what you're doing there, Brandon. <laughs> All right, Brian, you have ranked yours, and you are down to your number one top John Petrucci guitar moment. So, No, I have, two, I have two left. I thought you said you had one. No. All right, well, two. I was wrong. I, no, I was okay. so I was so busy getting banned from my own show with yeah, your stupid button of, clicking. <laughs> uh, right. You know, just a couple quick comments on yours. Yeah, we just did our deep dive. What was it two episodes ago? So fairly fresh on Systematic Chaos. So yeah, mm-hmm. a constant motion. We said before that's I don't know. It, it's a sneaky one that you just sort of forget about and like they don't really play it live too much. And uh, you know that would be a cool one. You know, this last tour, they pulled out a lot of kind of surprises. That'd be a cool one for them to, like, all of a sudden, hey, let's just pull out Constant Motion. I would definitely dig that. I mean, they've played Dark Eternal Night before a lot of times, but not that I don't want to hear it again. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so for me, number two, I have At Wit's End. The uh, end or the whole song? <clears throat> you know, I, I love the whole song, but mostly okay. mostly that soaring melodic Neil Schoen guitar part that I've talked about four million times. Sure. Um, I don't know. It just it's just the perfect like crescendo and, and ending to a song. And and you I don't know. I just never saw that part the way it kind of came out of nowhere. I did not expect a guitar just to do that all of a sudden. I don't know. It it, it just totally the first time I heard it, it totally caught me off guard. I was like, wait, what just happened? And uh yeah, just so many great moments on that. I think I've said before, it's probably my favorite song on on uh, Distance Over Time. Okay. There's no there's no bad bad moments on guitar. Like, are there ever any? I mean, you know, that's <laughs> right. But uh yeah, that that's just one of those solos that just you know it's that one and the number one, of course, the intro for Count of Tuscany. Those two guitar those two Petrucci guitar moments. Just the, the intro? Ones. No, I love the whole song. But I love I love his electric solo on the on the intro. Like I don't know, it's just oh so, it, okay it, it, okay. I thought you were talking about yeah. the clean part. Okay, no no. It's the second that comes in, the, the barrel, 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 barrel. yeah. I don't know, man. The very first time I ever heard that, I was like, that is just so beautifully melodic, perfectly well done, and okay, and you know the phrasing on everything, and just like all of the squawks and and harmonics are in the perfect places, and. You know, and the sustains are all just, I don't know, it just, those two songs, they, like I said, the end of that and then, then that opening solo on Count of Tuscany, those are just the two moments of the notes he plays. And it's not even, I mean, those are just fall out of bed and not even try things for him to play on guitar, you know, or, or even probably regular guitar players can play those phrases probably fairly easily. It doesn't mean that you can come up with them, you know, and fit yeah. them in a song like that. But uh, I don't know, they're just so powerful to me. Well, I mean, to your point, I mean, we, you know, we, God, we talked about Symphony X for what, an hour and a half, two hours last night. I mean, can you name a Michael Romeo guitar moment like one of those two? Like, I don't, I don't think you can. There's not that standout, like, holy shit, listen to this solo. Like, there, he's a phenomenal guitar player, absolutely phenomenal. But the thing that stands out about John Petrucci is this ability to do all the shred stuff and do all the progressive stuff, but there's this melody to it. And he just has that ability. Like you said, it sounds like he's falling out of bed just doing it so simple, 
but who else can can do it like that? Like the, the notation is absolutely perfect for the music, and he's got so many of those moments. So, I, I mean, man, you have a great list, dude. I mean, I think both of our lists, like we covered a lot of ground. Um, man, it, wait a minute, show topic here. Okay. <laughs> Harrison Miller says, "Top ten best Petrucci vocals in two weeks." <laughs> Gibson Les Paul, top 10 my own quotes in two short weeks. <laughs> oh, my God, that's great. Um, man, so we actually had a couple questions I kind of like to get to here. Uh, Sarcasm of Holio brings up something pretty deep, a deep dive, kind of. Uh, John's song, Lost Without You, it's a live B-side from, I think, Mind Control, live bootleg from the early 90s is awesome. I have not seen that so if you can link that to our youtube page sarcasmo do that because i have not seen that uh nick brayman he says interesting you think the mirror and lie aren't quote-unquote technical or complex enough but how is dark eternal night different i'm kind of surprised you're asking that nick because i think it's kind of obvious um the guitars are all over the map in dark eternal night granted it's 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 still heavy and everything but i mean you're talking about i mean if you just want to go like riff for riff you know dark eternal like it's it's all that walking around the mirror i mean you got that and then lies so if you're just taking the main riff you know, Dark Eternal Night wins right there, and then the rest of the song just is more of the same. So, I mean, do you agree with me on that one, Brian? I I think it's a little obvious. Yeah, no offense, no offense, Nick, but yeah, no, I mean, I think so too. They're they're pretty simple guitar lines in those two songs, and they're only like three and a half, four minutes, or whatever they are, four and a half minutes, I guess. Well, they're longer than that, but I mean, to your oh, point, okay. they're way shorter than Dark Eternal Night. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's they don't, and then like you said, it. Just if you're just looking at the riff alone, it's like way more things going on and, you know, heavier too, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Brandon Shuttleworth, uh, he says, I was waiting for a Count of Tuscany. I knew Brian was going to have that on his list. <laughs> it's one of your go-tos. <laughs> so. We're going to officially retire all Count of Tuscany talk after this week. Everyone's growing <laughs> weary of it, including me. I, I didn't even put it as my number one on that last one. I was so tired of it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Cam McLeish, he says, wait, no one had lines in the sand or spirit carries on or Octavarium. Excellent choices, Kale. But again, you know, as much as we were joking, like you could literally just completely go anywhere you want with this list because there's a Petrucci moment, almost anything that kind of stands out. So I think, you know, and, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to get your input on this and Brian on this one, Brian. But you know, for me, it was okay. What is like really memorable? What really stands out? Like I I kind of started to think of Petrucci moments without listening to the music first, and I wrote things down like, oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, that. And then I went and listened to it like, yeah, we'll see. And then I and then I kind of went through the catalog and and tried to find other things. But I really went with something that really just came off the top of my head without having he heard anything how did you come up with your list yeah i mean 
I told you before about I think when I first discovered the 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 ending part of At Wit's End, and like so I knew that was no brainer. I already kind of had it in there. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think too long and hard about it. Like I knew. I think the hardest part was like, okay, I got to get. I know I got to get something off of images, but like in going through, what's the stuff that really like? Oh, okay. Well, this this really, you know, they really changed it up here a little bit, or they did some some different stuff here, or you know, that may be easy to take the opening riff on, you know, pull me under or something. I mean, it's it's an awesome killer riff, right? You know, I mean, it's what starts right. the whole damn saga of how they became what they became. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, just stuff that like just sort of touches you emotionally and, and and just makes you feel good when you hear it, you know. And 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 no matter how many times you hear it, you still feel good. You're like, oh man, there comes the riff, you know, or here comes the solo, or there comes the part where he's going to do this and that, and and just you know, what do I really feel when I when I hear that sort of stuff? And yep. And and how can I put that into words? to explain it, you know, on a show like this that, you know, that kind of makes some sense so we can we can share it the way that we do, you know. Sure. All right, so Gibson Les Paul asks, "Okay, we got your favorite moments, but what about tone? What's your all-time favorite Petrucci tone? For me, it's distance over time." Oh man. Um that's a great starting point. Man, it it's kind of hard to get a better tone than distance over time. Um, I think I'd I agree to, with that. I'd I'd take distance over time, probably. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that's, I I I think that that might be the one. I, honestly, though, I think it's a tie for me. And call me a fanboy for this record, whatever. Um, man, falling into infinity. It's, it's just, and it might be the way that it fits into the rest of the mix. I think that might be it, but there's something a little bit more wet about the tone, a little just fatter and not as metal, but it's still just this giant tone. And I, I've, man, that record, dude, I love the songs. I love the sound. I love the mix. So that's a difficult one. So, I mean, but if, if I were to, if I were to take falling into infinity out for obvious reasons, man, I, I can't, I don't think we I don't think we can top, you know, distance over time. I'd probably go systematic chaos second. That's a good know. choice. It, it had a real I guess a fairly processed, maybe almost eighties tone a lot of the time, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I yeah, I love guitars that sound like that, that like I don't know, for lack of a better term, just kind of sing when they're sort of mixed and and polished up like that i'm 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 fine with it i mean i i, I probably would have yeah i think systematic chaos i probably would have it too yeah. here's one i totally forgot nick brayman uh he likes train of thought but he says or six degrees of inner turbulence i i yes that is an awesome one too that that is a fat guitar tone good call on that one nick that's a very good one that's a very good one. Uh, Gibson says train of thought is way too scooped, in my opinion. Gibson, I what what's your take on that, Brian? Because like I don't think it's scooped. I just think it's really dry. There is not a lot of reverb on that record. That is a very like very direct listen. It's very kind of like like Eddie Van Halen used to say, I don't want my guitar tone to be like chucking razor blades at your head. And and I think Train of Thought kind of has that direct, like really aggressive, nasty kind of tone to it. 
it's probably my least favorite uh mixed of the albums i can never know exactly how to describe it but i don't know it just okay. i've talked before about how you know jordan was pushed so far in the background that okay well let's dirt let's try to get a super dirty organ that sounds like a guitar and and it's cool but at the same time like i don't i can't tell what's what and i'm not saying that's bad i guess but but at the same time the mix on it's just it's just kind of weird and um i don't know the other one i think is uh black clouds like some of the, yeah. the, mix, the mixes in general on that album are, are sort of kind of all over the place like from song to song even in my opinion like they i don't know there's there's something kind of weird about it um as much as i like you know the songs on there the mix is sort of sort of funky i think we've talked about it before too i would say those two are the two if you're just talking about from an actual mix standpoint like how they kind of sound like i don't know i don't think it's quite as up to the rest of the catalog in my opinion okay uh, our buddy JG3 is here. What's up, man? Good to see you. Thanks for checking in, man. Uh, let's get to something, Brian, that was not on either of our lists, and I think it pretty much surprised everybody that's in the chat right now. And I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised neither of us have this one. The live Hollow Years solo from Budokan. That is one that it killed me to not put on this list. And I have to admit that it was so obvious that I think I might have purposely left it off. Um, but that is an excellent, excellent choice. That is, at least live, that is definitely John Petrucci's finest moment. You know, the very the very first time I heard, I, I actually saw them do it live, and I was like, oh my God, this because Hollow Years is like one of my all-time favorite Dream Theater songs. And then see, see that extended solo part like that was just incredible i mean have you ever seen that live i think you told me about it and i went back and watched it on youtube so i've seen it maybe twice so it wouldn't have really been on my radar to to put in this i love the song though i've said before it's one of my favorite vocal performances so if you guys are saying it's awesome guitar um then i'm sure obviously it is and like i said i saw it before but it, it wasn't probably going to make my list Oh yeah. Well, go back and listen to it, dude. I I think you'll find something you'll really enjoy in there. Uh Joe Gebhart's here. What's up, man? Good to see you. He says, live at Luna Park guitar solo. Does that count? If you're writing your own list, man, it definitely counts. Um we're we're talking anything in, in Dream Theater, so uh that would count. We did not have that one. So uh yeah, that good live guitar solos can count. I, I think Brian and I both just kept it to actual song parts and stuff like that because otherwise, like, how are you going to rank, you know, John's, you know, live guitar solos? Because for me, one of the ones I would have put on here would have been um, uh, Chaos in Motion, like the live CDs that they put out, like when they did Surrounded and they did that Pink Floyd solo at the end of Surrounded. And I didn't okay. know it was Pink Floyd, which killed me when I was like, I love this. It's like one of the most beautiful things he's done. And someone's like, that's Pink Floyd. I was like, ah, shit. Because <laughs> like, I can't stand Pink Floyd. It's like, damn it. I just liked something Pink Floyd did. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's funny. Like, going back and now, like, they were talking about the last. So, we had done this. I don't know how. Let's see. When did we do the original show? It was last. How how long before the new album came out was it? I'm trying to figure. Was it the summer of last year? 
Yeah, it was summer because it was hotter hotter than hell up here. Yeah, okay. So so I think if I redid it, I would I would put transcending time on. You know, the more you guys wow, start talking okay. about, I'm like, man, I do love that riff. <laughs> it's a super cool, okay. fun, feel good riff. I could probably just like, I mean, do I need to have Metropolis on here <laughs> for this exercise? <laughs> probably not. We already know it's awesome. You know, or I could have started my um, you know, my my uh band of kind of tuscany i'm gonna put myself on like a uh, self-imposed band for a while talking about it or playing it and stuff i just need a break from it <laughs> you, you need you need to have gorilla farts ready to go so in the case yeah. you ever mention uh count of tuscany again you, you have to you have to do a gorilla fart yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so what did you did you say before what would have been what would be the closest from the new album that would make it on here i don't know if you i don't think you said for me um god that's a tough one maybe a disaster for you or no no i mean no. that one's so obvious um yeah it's a great song and it's cool to hear the eight string and everything but man the again the difficult thing for me with the new record is that it like it feels like one giant piece of music that was kind of chopped into pieces um something that always stands out to me man i don't Damn it, you put me on the spot. All right, while you're contemplating that, this is an obvious one that we missed. Wait, not that one. Wrong one. <laughs> you're awesome at leading the show. Yeah, there we go. Did Barstool Warrior make you the list? No, and it probably should have. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, J- yeah. JG3, great question. Um, Yeah, that was a close one for me. Um, But yeah, again, this is stuff that, like, for me, I just, like, I got this instant feel off of it. I'm like, yeah, like that's, you know, uh, man, what is, um, God, I'm drawing a blank. What's track two on the new record. I'm just drawing a complete blank with song titles for some reason. I know it's, we suck at this. Uh, but anyways, um, it's probably the one that I don't like that much. Answering I love that song. Yeah, thank you. I knew it started with an A. Thank you. Okay, no, I do um, like that one. Yeah, dude, I, something about that just like like so that that one kind of stands out to me. So if, if I had to pick one off the new record, I think it'd be answering the call. Although there are a lot of a lot of you know a lot of good moments on there though. The one that you yeah. like that I'm not a fan of is uh, Sleeping Giant. No, I I, I love I, Sleeping I Giant. Maybe you might, I thought maybe you might pick that. No, no, I, I know like you that. Like it. I said I'm not a fan of it though. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Misunderstood. Yeah, no. Man. I, dude, the, the new record again, it keeps it keeps growing on me, man. Like it's it, it, you know, we've said it before. Wayne said it's a grower, dude. It'll grow on you and boy it does. It really does. So, um before we get out of here, we do have to address a couple real quick things. Uh again, Brian and I were on an episode of an excellent excellent music podcast last night called discography discussion uh just google it they i mean i think that was episode 230 something that they've done and they basically they pick a band and they go through the entire discography of that band and it is really entertaining joe and dan do a phenomenal job with you know with the show and we had a blast man like i had like brian is a big symphony x fan and I had only ever heard Paradise Lost. 
So I went through the entire you know catalog and I was like, okay. So um, when that comes out, like a week or two, check that out because it was a really really good time. So we had a blast doing that. And um, man, what can we say about our interview with Paul Logue, dude? That was <laughs> that was unreal. That was unreal. Well, hold on. Before we get to that, I have to tell everyone what you did to me yesterday. <laughs> Well, let me let me set it up real quick. Okay, so okay, so our buddy Chris Aiken, who runs the CMS Network, and he you know love him to death. He's one of my very best friends in life. Um, he, you know, he's the one that hooked us up with the Paul Logue interview and stuff. And he does an awesome show every Saturday from nine a.m. to or nine p.m. to three a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time called the Classic Metal Show. It's been around for like twenty five years. Great show, and he's got all these connections and stuff. Well, he recently interviewed michael romeo from from symphony x so when we got asked to do the symphony x episode of discography discussion he said hey do you want me to try and get michael on the show and i was like hell yeah we'll do like go through the whole discography with michael romeo so he hit up michael and we never heard back whether or not it was confirmed so brian and the show host joe weren't sure if you know he was coming on so brian I'll, i'll let you take it from here yeah, so I never heard from from John. All of a sudden, the next morning, I get this, no, dude, but Russell Allen's coming on. Russell Allen, lead singer, one of the greatest metal singers that there is going right now, and as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, of all time. Russell Allen's going to be on. Of all the times, my text didn't go through to you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting here freaking out. Like, <laughs> I've been a huge fan since 2005, so I'm really well versed on the last three albums and the live album and probably the last four Odyssey included. But the first three or first three or four, I was not all that clued in on. So I went back, busted my ass. I mean, I literally have notes on every single album, every song. I have like 104 song notes if you count them all up, probably more. <laughs> and like an analysis of the albums and whole in you know and whole in general. And produce production and producers and and you know when they came out and and then the first thing that happens is John says, oh yeah, yeah no he's not going to be on here. <laughs> I mean, even your even your buddy was fooled. <laughs> no, he was not fooled. Oh, was he in on the joke? <laughs> he was in on the joke. Oh, he's from St. Louis too, and so am I. I got to get him back. See, I thought I didn't know he was in on it. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so I need. I, so I'm going to have to get John back, and I need you guys to. Uh, I don't know. You're going to have to hit me up directly on Facebook, on, like private message me on oh my on my God. own Facebook account, um, so John doesn't see. But we've got to figure out a way to get. To, <laughs> to get John back. I I was in a I was in an absolute shit mood yesterday. Like I was spitting nails, man. And Brian and I were going back and forth about you know, doing discography discussion last night. And he said, by the way, is Michael Romeo coming on? And I said, I was like, no. And just something popped in my head. I'm like, man, I could totally mess with him right now. And I was like, no. I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't get my text last night? And he says, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, seriously, of all texts not to go through, you didn't get this one? He says, what? I was, I said, no, we didn't get Michael Romeo, but Russell Allen's coming on. <laughs> like, I immediately felt bad because you got all excited, <laughs> but then I was like, it was so funny. You got so excited. I couldn't stop. And I, I will admit 
the reason is because had you pulled that on me and I fell for it that that hook, line, and sinker, you would not have stopped the joke either. You would have kept it rolling on me. So I don't feel that bad. But I did call Joe on the way home and I was like, hey, Joe, so check this out. <laughs> this is what I told Brian. <laughs> so we get we get on to start recording the show and and we're like, I'm like, hey, when is Russell coming on? Yada, yada. And it went maybe five minutes. And Joe just slipped and said something. Brian's like, wait, he's not coming on the show. I'm like, no, I was, he's like, were you messing with me? I'm like, yeah, I was messing with you. <laughs> so Brian owes me big time for that one. <laughs> that was bad. I'm just glad I didn't like plast it all over our, our, well, but probably would have been hilarious to you if I started posting it all over our page and stuff. Well, at least, at least you could have posted it since I'm in Facebook jail. Well, that's, that's Facebook true. You wouldn't even ass. be able to stop. I, or I couldn't it. even defend myself. <laughs> but yeah, I like I Facebook, I messaged my one buddy and he's like, oh my God, that's awesome. Let me know when it's done. You know, I want to listen to it and stuff. And yeah, <laughs> so, anyway, you did get me. I, I, I appreciated it. It was, it was funny. Yes. So again, before before we get out of here, uh, we have to send out massive thanks to Paul Logue of Eden's Curse. He is the co-writer for James Labrie's new solo record, A Beautiful Shade of Grey, which comes out on May 20th. Uh, if you guys have not heard the interview, we were literally going, we were doing a pre-record last Sunday and we were like, yeah, let's, you know, let's just record or two Sundays ago, excuse me. And yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do kind of like a two-parter episode. We're going to do the interview, play it on a future episode and then do our album deep dive. Well, Paul ends up saying, Hey, you know, if you're, you know, I would love to come back on the show. Once the record's out, I would love to get your guys' opinion on it. And we said, sweet, let's do it. So let's, let's do an album deep dive. So uh, Paul is going to be coming back onto the show to do a deep dive into James's record. And the date that we have set for that is Saturday, June 25th. So uh, we're still trying to confirm a time, but it's going to be a special episode. It is going to be in the afternoon, probably 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I believe. And um, we, Brian, I, I, I like all we can say is we would highly recommend that you guys pay attention to our social media channels and make plans to take part in that show. Because it's it was an amazing conversation with Paul. It was actually talking to him before the interview that was recorded and after was almost better than the actual interview we recorded. But you know, again, don't do what you did last night, Brian. But we we just need to tell everybody pay attention to our social media channels and make sure to tune in to the very special Talking Into Infinity June twenty fifth episode. That's just we'll leave it at that. I so. will say that that interview with Paul was so amazing that not only before we did it, but after one James Labrie actually gave us a shout out on his Twitter feed. <laughs> well, Check on his Facebook page. Before, oh, was it the Facebook page? No, I thought yeah. it was Twitter. No, it was Facebook. Okay, yeah. his Facebook page. Sorry. Yeah, he 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 pr- he promoted the fact that that Paul was coming on our show. We were like, holy crap! And then a couple days later, he actually reposted and said, "Hey, check out you know Paul Logue on on the." He said the excellent talking into infinity podcast. So, yeah, it was it was, it, you know, it's a minor thing, in the long, it, it, you know. <laughs> In the long run, it's a minor thing, I guess, and it's you know small potatoes for most people. But for us to have 
the lead singer of our favorite band shout us out was like holy shit this is awesome <laughs> so it was just a really cool moment for us and um again you know saturday june 25th at 2 p.m eastern standard time just put that in your calendars and uh, pay attention to our social media pages. Uh, we we will have Paul Logan to discuss the James Lebrie record, but that might turn into a pretty special episode, I would say, Brian. So we'll you know just keep an eye on us and you know what we're doing, and we'll kind of let you in on some things. That's that you know, I think that's the best way to phrase it. So, uh, and I will say this: we did hear a few snippets of some music after the interview and dude this new james record is kick ass it is really cool it is really really cool uh you know paul said it in the interview and i think he's dead on brian if you like the melodic side of james's voice when he's really in his wheelhouse with the melodies and just that beautiful tone that he can get this is definitely the record for you so i cannot wait to hear the whole thing so Even though that's he said be awesome. he told us not to record it, I did. I'm going to play it, but I'm going to put myself on mute so no one can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Nice, nice, <laughs> dude. If he if he ever hears this, he's going to be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And then there there goes June 25th. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? Well, I know oh. you couldn't hear it, but right. Yeah, no. That, how cool was that? Like, oh, hang on. Uh, you know, if you guys got a few minutes, uh, just promise not to record it. I'll I'll play you a couple. Some really cool stuff on here. Can you imagine going to your computer? Oh yeah, let's see. I just recorded James Labrie. Uh, let me pull this up here. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know this right. was playing for two morons in in Cleveland. Like, <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> like, I mean, we hit like the music like lottery on this thing so far for something that's just been kind of a goof and like, yep. You know, not to not to like you know get sappy but man how cool you know it's like yeah. you know, i don't know sometimes i sit around thinking about it and i'm just like i just like on cloud nine like the stuff that we've done and and again all you guys listening paying attention interacting the show is zero without you so i want to give you guys all the credit because without yeah. all that stuff we would not get things like the paul Logue interview and get to hear the songs from james solo album that's just a fact yep well, I, I, I did pour myself one drink for tonight. I was gonna do this to the Dream Theater Grammy win, but you know, Brian, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that up. Like here's to the Grammy win, but here's to all our fans in the chat and uh, you know, everybody that's you know, downloading the show and everything. Appreciate you guys very much. This is not a gorilla fart, by the way, for those of you just listening to the audio, it's just Tito's vodka. So but there there will be gorilla farts in the future, so You're truly one of a kind. <laughs> I ugh. I see what you did there. So uh, real quick, before we get out of here, Gibson Les Paul asks, better than Elements of Persuasion? Uh, it is a different style, Gibson. It is, it's, the, 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 Brian, see if you agree with me on this. I would call it aggressive acoustic because ima imagine like straight up rock songs or heavy tunes, but play it all on acoustic instruments instead of like the electrified stuff. And I think that's what you get. Um, I think Paul said that he has, I think it was 36 tracks of acoustic guitars on this stuff. Um, so yeah, Gibson, I would say from what we heard, it's different because, you know, elements is obviously just, you know, 
punishing in its heaviness in a lot of places. I would say that the, the, to me, it's really cool. And, and this is something I really want to get into with Paul again. It's, you know, James has the mole muzzler stuff, which is kind of like funky and bluesy and rockish and stuff. And then he's got, you know, the last three solo records, which are just heavy and just in your face, just punishing metal. And this one is different from all of that stuff because it's like, again, aggressive acoustic. I mean, his solo stuff is really, he covers a lot of ground. And I think this is a perfect addition to, you know, his acoustic, or excuse me, his his uh, collection of solo records, man. It's something different, but it's still totally James. Would you agree with that? It's, I mean, definitely the first song we heard and the snippets that, that Paul was playing, are, it definitely different. But yeah, I mean, it's just going to be hard to, you know, we just got to sit down and just hear the whole album before we can like yeah. really make a lot of grand statements. But no, it, I don't think it sounds anything like Elements of Persuasion. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all either. Yep. You know, I think that's probably honestly a good thing. <laughs> JG3 is John live from the Masters? <laughs> Gibson, Les Paul, John Shooter, McGavin, Drake. I, I I do play golf. I I, I do play golf. So <laughs> sitting here at Indian Corner and uh, <laughs> right. Sergio Garcia just uh, look at this. Look at this. Before we jump out of here, our buddy Joe from Discography Discussion. He actually tuned in for a quick second. He says after last night's chat. You two know exactly what the greatest guitar moment is. Soft spot in my heart for the solo in Yitze Jam. <laughs> so there you go, man. Joe, we, we did we did pimp out the episode. So if you know when the uh, Symphony X episode with Brian and I is going to be released, let us know so we can announce it. But uh, yeah. So oh, look at this, JG3. He says the G stands for golf. I started golfing when I was six. J, J I started when I was seven, dude. I've been playing 39 years. So there you go. All right, Brian. So final thought here. I got to show this out. real quick. It says, Brian, can you sing some of James' new stuff back to us right now? So here I go. <laughs> I put some stuff on mute again. Nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, I don't know if you heard that or not, but uh, it sounded really good to me. Of course, I'm yeah. pretty drunk right now. Well, but, guys, um, we're. We're going to get out of here. Thank you all for checking out the show. Joe from Discography Discussion, which, again, guys, is a fantastic music podcast you have to check out. They're at over 230 episodes. I mean, there's some bands you haven't even thought of that they go through their discography. Uh, Brian and I, again, we did a full episode last night going through the entire history of Symphony X. And Joe says that it will be available on Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So make sure to Google Discography Discussion. And while you're there, sign up to be a patron sponsor there because Patreon is how they pay the bills, man. So give those guys some money. I myself am a Patreon sponsor over there. So I, I'm at the highest level. It's only five bucks a month and you get some kick-ass bonus content there. And if you sign up to be a Patreon, uh, Patreon subscriber, some of the bonus content, you might just get me on there here and there. So uh, there's a little plug for Joe there appreciate it uh discuss metal joe you are the man thank you so much for having us on uh kale mcleish harrison miller uh man jg3 gibson les paul nick brayman brandon shuttleworth that alexander guy who got shot down <laughs> uh man robert reams robert Husted. thank you so much to all you guys for checking out the show again we appreciate it very much uh we will be back live on facebook next time after facebook decides stop to stop being a dick and putting me in, in Facebook jail for no reason whatsoever. Uh, Brian, another amazing show. 
appreciate it very much. And uh, yeah, we will be back here in two weeks. It will be Thursday, April 21st. And uh, Facebook, YouTube, talkingintoinfinity.com and the cmsnetwork.com. Check us out at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you guys have an idea for the show, just email talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com and follow us at TIIDT Podcast on Twitter or just go to our Facebook page. Follow us there. You can find anything you want. And again, love to see you guys here, man. Much appreciated. As Brian said, you guys make the show go. So, Brian, appreciate you very much, man. And guys, we will see you in a couple weeks. Hey everyone, thanks for checking out Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Just wanted to remind you that we want you to be a part of the show. If you give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at TIIDT Podcast, we post the schedule of when we are recording the show live. It is a streaming video platform on our Facebook and YouTube pages, and it has a live chat feature where you can comment on the show, ask questions, and we can bring your remarks up on the screen and have you drive the conversation. So again, give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at TIIDT Podcast, and come hang out with us and be a part of the show. Thanks again, and carpe diem.